Welcome to this episode of Athletic Trading Chat. On this episode, we are on with Mike Hopper, who, if you are on Twitter at all, you have probably come across once or twice in your time. Uh, Mike has been big on social media and was early in the game um, with AT for All and really has created a platform to help broadcast and advocate for the profession and has done a really great job in doing so, um, highlighting the need for athletic trainers, especially in the secondary school setting and where things are going. And we talk about that a little bit on this episode, plus just kind of talking about the maybe the little discourse that happens from time to time within our profession and how we can kind of move past that to help the whole profession move forward. Somebody that we always talk about that helps us move us forward, as always, we're powered by Mueller Sports Medicine. Please check them out. Again, anything that is a positive to help move um, our profession forward, um, no matter what direction we might be going in, we think is something that's extremely important. And again, Mike gets deep into that. So with that, no further ado, here's our episode with Mike Hopper. episode of Athletic Training Chat. We are on today with Nick Hopper, uh, who, if, as we were just discussing, if you don't know on Twitter, you should. Um, if you haven't, we'd be surprised. It probably means you don't have Twitter um, and you don't follow Athletic Training. But um, we're here to talk today about kind of the advancement of the profession, um, kind of stemming from a lot of the conversations that happen on Twitter and other places. Um, but before we get into that, Mike, just wanted to turn over if there's any background you wanted to give um, to just a little bit more insight on how you got to kind of where you are in this world today. So, so um, you know, in a, in a quick second, I, I have a bachelor's degree from Southeast Missouri State University um, in athletic training, master's degree in pediatric sports medicine from the University of South Florida, Morrisonic College of Medicine, uh, which put me into the high school setting and here I am 10 years later. So, and I got asked that question today and I couldn't believe I've already been practicing for almost 10 years. So, uh, you know, and otherwise, I mean, social media along the way has been uh, big for me. So here we are. So the big thing that we were wanting to try and uh, get into, and I, a lot of this has stemmed from my own um, going back to school, kind of looking at the different things, trying to see athletic training on a broader spectrum. Um, not only within the profession, but just interaction with coaches. So this is kind of more of our quote-unquote traditional setting um, things. But we seem to have plenty of infighting within the profession. And so I guess our first question is just from what you've seen and some of the Twitter discussions that you've been involved in, like what do you see is like our biggest obstacle as a profession as we continue to advance and I use advance loosely and in kind of quotes. I, I think the probably the biggest obstacle that we encounter is that we forget what we're really here to do in the first place. You know, we have some who have decided that, you know, promoting the profession is is what they're going to do is promote the profession and forget about what our profession is all about to very you know at the very beginning. And that's taking care of kids or taking care of our patients. 
whether it's in the traditional setting dealing with the high school athlete, the college athlete, the professional athletes, uh, in the industrial setting dealing with that warehouse worker or, you know, in, in public safety dealing with, with law enforcement or firefighters or whoever our patient population is, we've forgotten to take care of them and we're more worried about how we look as a profession and, you know, are we, are we professionally dressed? Are we, um, you know, what's our behavior like? Are, are we doing this? Are we doing that? And at the end of the day, our patient population cares very little about that. They care about, do we take care of them? They don't care whether we're wearing a starched shirt or dress shoes or any of that nature. They don't. We do. And, and I think to some extent that's getting in our way. So as have you, from what you've seen and the discussions, like as we, again, move towards, and I don't know, this, it's at varying degrees, like the medical model, the in quotes, you know, that's a huge discussion in collegiate athletics. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I don't know that it, I guess mostly in the high school, you guys have been on the front end of that anyway, because most of the time it's, contracted out it's not like you just got hired by the high school without some physician involvement maybe i'm wrong depending i mean that that all depends on where you're at you know here in the state of texas most of us are, are hired directly by the school okay. you go into illinois you go into illinois most of them are going to be pt clinic employees you know um and and unfortunately in, in my opinion unfortunately illinois will always be that way because athletico and ATI, which are two of the biggest employers of athletic trainers, are based in Chicago. Right. So, you know, um, the medical model in, at the college level and, and how they're pursuing that, um, I think, is, is awesome. And to some extent, I think we need to start seeing more and more of that at the, at the um, high school level as well. Um, it's interesting how they're going to approach that. Are they going to approach that from the perspective like a lot of our high schools are already doing where it's PT clinic or hospital outreach manner, or is it that they're still employees of the university, but they report to hospital employees or however they you know, choose to set that up. Right. Um, so that's going to be interesting to see over the next few years. Yeah, I just wondered if that somewhat has changed because when people keep, you know, highlighting the medical professional um, and then there was a big spat on Twitter about somebody having a towel over their shoulder and um, water bottles and all of this stuff that came out. Um, you know, when you talk about that or if you're employed from a hospital, does that change, you know, the quote professional dress? Um, do you got to have a collar on? Do you, you know, need to be in khakis or whatever that may look like? And is it just is it new line of thinking against an old guard or I, I it's, it's it's so hard to I absolutely yeah I think it is I, I think it is um, you know um, if if you if you ask um, Dr. Yellen who's down at University of Houston in their master of athletic training program you know he's very clear to tell you that athlete and sports uh, do not fit in the BOC definition of a of an athletic trainer. Um, you know, and, and the, and the definition is very much about a healthcare provider, right. you know, and, and I think that's a good thing, but at the same time, I think we have to remember where we come from, yep. you know, and remember those roots 
Um, you know, I'll tell you personally, I was just on the field outside just now trying to set up for a lacrosse game that we have this afternoon because our facility manager's out and our SID is out. And guess what? At some, sometimes things just have to get done. And, and that's what we have to remember is to be team players within whatever setting that we're in. And if that means that sometimes we do tasks that aren't healthcare, then so be it. You know, uh, but I think Rick did a great job of that. Rick Ber Berkholder at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs with the whole towel fiasco. Um, you know, he, he let us uh, – I don't know if you saw the one of him um, with the Super Bowl champion Gatorade towel. Oh, no, uh, it's that. On Twitter. And, and he made sure to, to post that too. So, um, hmm. you know, and he's, and he's our PR chair for the National Athletic Trainers Association. So – I, I think that we can we can coexist um, better than what I think we're doing right now. What do you, from what you've seen, because you've probably gotten a lot more quote hate on social media than the average. <laughs> Why do people struggle with? Because uh, I agree with you, like. There's got to be a ground and we can all live in our own kind of world within the bigger profession because that's ultimately what the profession's done is expanded out. Like, mm -hmm. What have you seen? And I've seen you call some people on this and we've kind of tried to do some of the th same things, you know, nicely. Um, but just being like, you know, we're in this together. So why are like, why the animosity between athletic trainers other than maybe just ego? I, I think I think ego has a lot to do with it, and and I think some of it does have to um, you know do with um, personalities and, and personality conflicts, and and we all experience personality conflicts, and so we get into this defending you know defending our position or defending our profession or or whatever it might be, and we feel like we have to jump on people um, who who we see as being enemies, right? Mm -hmm. um, whether that's a, a coach who may not agree with us, you know, or, um, you know, another big one that I see all the time is, is uh, people freaking out about how another healthcare provider who's up in the stands comes down on the field. And, and you know, I, I certainly do think that, yes, they have a, a role and they have a time where they need to be told that, we don't need your help, right? right. Um, but at the same time, we have to understand the bigger picture of that. And, and that's one of those things that really drives me nuts when, when people complain about a nurse coming out of the stands or a, or a physician or whoever that might be coming out of the stands is remember that only 37% of high schools in America, 37% of public high schools in America have a full-time athletic trainer and 31% have no healthcare whatsoever right. right think about youth sports that number's even worse and so it's it's a situation where those individuals who got into healthcare for very much the same reason we got into healthcare to help people they felt like they had to step in at some point in time because there wasn't anybody there right right and so the the bickering i think has to stop we have to we have to again we don't know when to tell them when but at the same time we also have to work with them at, at the end of the day it's about healthcare, 
right? It's about taking care of kids. And you never know when you have somebody in the stands who could be a big help to you. Oh, for sure. You know, and if we just blatantly say, don't, don't come down here, then we may not get that help that we could use at that point. To me, that seems like a huge, like educational opportunity too. Absolutely. To, you know, to advance the profession, to get it to know. And again, your situation is so much different, you know, in the high school setting where, I mean, we're fortunate where we're at. Like we've got somebody at every game, we've got 10 certifieds on staff. And so people come down, it's a little different picture, depending on what the thing is. If it's just because they want to do some random adjustment, that gets a little interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I like your idea on perspective. Um, I've heard other people talking about it. It's like that person cuts you off in traffic because they're speeding through. Well, are they speeding through because they're just being an ass? Or are they trying to get somewhere because somebody's hurt or somebody's sure. a kid? Like, you don't know what they're right so why overreact and not be able to take that step back right i like your um i like joel's education um kind of piece on that too because like you're saying there's what 37 percent have their full-time at so you know if you're used to being part of that other group you, you might not know what an athletic trainer does um you know people ask me what are you going to school for and i tell them athletic training and they go oh you're gonna you know be a personal trainer for some of these athletes and stuff. So I don't think, um, you know, the population as a whole really still understands everything that we do. And I think that can kind of play a role in people coming down to help during certain, certain situations because they just don't really know what we're trained in to necessarily do um, in a way. Yeah, and you're going to see that education in a couple different ways. One, you know, now as we continue to put more athletic trainers into into roles, into high schools, into, um, you know, these different settings. Um, you're going to see kids who have an experience with us as a high school athlete who, when they go on to become parents someday, are going to know that, right, hopefully. But then also one of the things with the new educational standards and the new um, moving to a master's level program and things like that, is that inter, um, interprofessional and interdisciplinary education that's taking place. I know that there's a lot of universities who are starting to incorporate athletic training and physical therapy and uh, physician assistant courses into the same type of a course, right? Uh, for example, at St. Louis University, mm -hmm. um, I do know that physical therapy and uh, athletic training take the same therapeutic modalities class. It's the same material. Right. So now we're putting these athletic trainers, you know, these prospective athletic trainers and prospective physical therapists in the same room together, learning together, right? University of South Florida is a great example of that. Uh, both the, um, the professional program and the post-professional athletic training program through USF are in the College of Medicine. So they take courses with some of those other, you know, those other allied healthcare professionals. They do interdisciplinary um, scenarios, training scenarios with simulators and, and mass casualty events and all that type of stuff. So again, you're, you're, you're exposing those other healthcare providers to each other, mm -hmm. right? So that ideally, when they do get out into the re real world, they're working together and not working against each other. 
It's a novel concept, isn't it? Hey, like I said, we have a parent who's a physical therapist, and he is great with us. And he 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 just you know shrugs his shoulders and goes, "When it's about the kids, it's about the kids." Where do you fall? And again, you've got a unique situation. That's awesome that you're working with somebody like that. Is do we as a profession have to be like have to be the bigger person for lack of a better description and like reaching out and establishing those relationships instead of expecting like if that person wanted to come and help you, you know, like would you sit there and wait for him to come to you and be kind of pissed off if he hadn't up until he finally came and had a conversation versus you being proactive in reaching out and saying, Hey, within the context of this, this would be ideal. Like, you know, do we need to kind of check our pride as a profession to some degree and Brilliant. Yeah, I think so. I think somewhat. Um, you know, athletic training has always led the way, really, in this in this concept of interdisciplinary, um, inter- interdisciplinary healthcare. From from the perspective of that sports medicine team, being the physician, the athletic trainer, the the um, you know physical therapists and strength coaches and sports dietitians and and all these different people. You look at these college athletic programs and. You know, I mean, like I said, you're you're talking about having a physical therapist on staff. You're talking about having a uh, dietitian on staff at these bigger schools, sports psychology. You know, all these different perspectives. Um, and again, when it comes back to it, if we if we take care of those kids, it's that's what that's what it is at the end of the day. And whereas if we just want to fight with people, well, we can do plenty of that too, right. but are we going to get anywhere? You know? So, um, I think, I think we do, we have to build our team around what we need. Right. You know, think about it at university of Alabama. Well, when they need a quarterback, they go find a quarterback. They don't go, they don't go sign a kid. Who's a, who's a defensive lineman and go, Oh, Hey, you're going to be our quarterback. (laughs) Well, at the same time in the sports medicine world, when I need a concussion doctor, I want someone who deals with concussions. I'm not just going to go, Hey, you got an MD. You want to be our concussion doctor? That doesn't work. Right. You know, so we have to build our team in the best way that we can within the resources that, that we have in our individual situation. And realizing that there's an abundance and there's enough, I don't haven't met many athletic trainers. I can speak from our here and I could guess from you that you ever are bored or don't have enough patience to see like my guess you see plenty of people that yeah i, I think i could say that <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, a fair, that's a fair assessment yeah but i've talked to many high school athletic trainers that are like and i'm just bored there's literally nobody to see and nothing to do i haven't met many athletic trainers like too, i guess i don't say that very loudly because when i do right it gets ugly real fast yeah, it's when it's like too quiet that you just know something is about to happen. <laughs> the calm, yeah. whatever storm is coming. Right. Um, very curious as your thoughts. Like, what have you found ways to effectively communicate? Like, what you've seen, and especially you know, again, we come, always keep coming back to Twitter, but I can only imagine how many conversations you've had face to face, and like people that don't agree with you or your position on stuff. Have you found anything that's worked at all to like help them maybe see what you're trying to get across, which I think your points are very valid and 
well thought out. It's not like you're just throwing any random thought that comes to mind just to contradict. You know, I, um, I've been told that I have this uh, candid ability to recall facts. Okay. Um, you know, and, and, um, our principals made that comment. My assistant has made that comment before about how, um, my brain's like half full of random, what seems to be random facts. Um, you know, like for example, spitting out Atlas data and, and knowing 37%, knowing, um, you know, that for example, and this is some research I've been doing that 41% of Catholic high schools in America employ a full-time athletic trainer. Nobody's going to know that information. Right. Um, but I've, I've spent a lot of time in the last year researching that since I work in a Catholic institution. Okay. Um, that's an, that's an important thing for us. Right. Um, and so what we have to do is we got to remember to not take things personal. Number one. And I think a lot of us take things way too personal at times. Right. Um, but number two is having, having facts to support what we are saying. Um, you know, we're in, we're in this world of evidence-based medicine and evidence-based practice and, and all of that. And that's fantastic. Um, you know, we don't always agree with it. Right. Um, but having, having data to support what we're saying goes a long way too. Right. Um, and that's one of the big things that we've harped on and, and, and really worked on is, you know, again, I can go, um, you know, I give this, this example when I, when I talk about AT value stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I can say that I work a lot of hours. You can say that you work a lot of hours, right? Guess what? If I go to my CFO or I go to my principal and go, Hey, I work a lot of hours. They shrug their shoulders and goes, yeah, so <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. But when I go, when I can go to them and go, no, I average 62 hours a week most weeks out of the school year, you know, I'm working 60, 60 plus hours a week. All of a sudden there's a red flag to them going, that's not right. Right. You know, we have a problem here. Um, and so when you can, when you can back that up and like I said, that's one example we use. Um, and that's one of the data points that we track here. Um, we track a lot of different data points. I think I have probably close to 10 spreadsheets that, that Lindsay and I track different, different metrics on um, so that at the end of the day, it's not about emotion. It's not about, you know, well, I feel like we do this. It's here's what's getting done in our facility. Here's what's getting done by our staff um, to, to justify what it is that we do right. on a, on a daily basis. Right. And so I have a lot of conversations about what an athletic trainer is and what an athletic trainer does and, and all that type of thing. And, and at the high school level, so many of those parents, they don't have the slightest idea because they've never been exposed to it. Right. Right. Um, I had a, I went into a parent meeting a few years ago and I asked one of our coaches before I went into this parent meeting, I said, what do you, what should I talk about in this meeting? Cause I can go in there and I can talk for an hour if you'd like, nobody wants you to do that. Right. So what is it that the parents want to hear? And he goes, why don't you start off with what an athletic trainer is? Cause none of our parents are going to know that. Okay. That's a valid place to start. Right. I, I, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I found it interesting. I think you do a good job 
and I've tried to mirror it and trying to take it on my own, just even like in conversations of, you know, facts for sure. Uh, you know, people don't think you're busy and then you go and you say, well, we've had this many interactions. Uh, we had that a couple of years ago, someone came down and we could roll out to kind of the best of, it was probably a little under, we had 20,000 patient interactions and they were dumbfounded by that. Yeah. That was even like a feasible number. And it's just like, well, <laughs> swing down and you'll see our 11 tables have 30 some people on them and it's not hard to figure out. And then I, I just want 11 tables. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we're trying to double our square footage and that's going super well. I'm sure we're thinking about just starting to take down walls and hoping nobody notices. Um, if if the one wall that I that I'd like to take down wasn't a weight bearing wall, I'd I'd do the same. I've offered to get the bulldozer here more than For once, sure. and they haven't taken me up on it yet. So, uh, you know, I'd fix a lot of problems in this in this building, but um, unfortunately, it's going to take some time to fix the problem after I. You know, like you said, bulldozer only take about five minutes. Right. But, uh, they they didn't go for that one. Just makes too much sense, and that's where it always goes haywire. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think you do a good job because you present those facts and then you almost steal their argument right out or underneath them because it makes logical sense. Right. And I think it's always interesting, and I know a lot of people respond to them. I do every once in a while, the AT Anonymous handle where there's just questions coming out and people get all fired up about it and it, it, reframing it pretty much kills the argument or whatever anybody can get hot about. Um, then yeah, I just, I, if there's anything you have to kind of add on to that, just like how you go about that, if it's, it's even a conscious thing or it's just how you think about presenting the profession and what it means. I saw you had something the other day that somebody was like baffled or you were responding to them because you figured they were baffled that you got a job right out of grad school or something. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were talking about, you know, the, the, um, the issue in the world today about, um, you know, everybody wants people to come out with all this experience, but nobody wants to give the person a chance to get some experience, right? And the argument that they were having in this discussion was how a, an athletic trainer graduating from a KD accredited program and is BOC certified, which, by the way, is the gold standard, right? They come out of school. They are an athletic trainer and well, how they just can't work at the college level. Right. And um, I've heard Jeff Allen talk about this before at university of Alabama. And he goes, and, and he, he has said that he goes, the easiest job I've ever had is being the head athletic trainer at the university of Alabama, because think about the resources he has at his disposal, mm -hmm. right? He's got a physician probably next door to him when he sits in his office He's got, you know, again, a, a staff of how many athletic trainers. He's got physical therapists and strength coaches and, and on and on and on. Um, meanwhile, you got that high school athletic trainer who, in a lot of cases, are by themselves right. with maybe nobody on campus to rely on. Um, hopefully, they're, they're tapping into the resources that is the school nurse, yep. right, um, which we could talk for days on, too. Um, <laughs> I have an article coming out about that uh, soon. Uh, just got approved yesterday. Nice. Um, but 
news? Uh, that'll be through the um, NFHS okay. uh, magazine. So, um, but like I said, that just got approved yesterday. Um, but the high school athletic trainer is so much on an island in so many different ways, right? But we have so many people in our profession who think that's where people need to start. They either need to just go to the high school level and go away, right? And I saw that argument the other day um, on that AT Anonymous mm-hmm. um, where somebody asked about how they, they are a high school athletic trainer. And they feel like they are lesser of an athletic trainer than than our our college college and, and pro counterparts, you know, for whatever reason. But people think, oh, just go to the high school level, or go become an intern and make no money, right? And that's and that's our fix to this profession, you know. But so there are those that they need to realize, you know, and and they want to complain that oh well, I, I work with this team at the college level and now they're giving me a second team and oh my gosh it's the end of the world okay you know at the end of football season I, we lost our playoff game and somebody asked me goes so you know things are going to slow down for you now right i go i just nodded i said yeah now i only have 13 teams in season like what do what do people think right you know um i mean we we tracked it the other day uh, we had 62 events that my myself and my assistant covered and, and some PRN help that we bring in on occasion in the month of January, 62 events. That's great. You know, but, but the high school life is, is a piece of cake. Just, oh, you know, right. just ask. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's no, just I never thought that, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's one of those things you just have to remember that what you post onto social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or, or anywhere else, a lot of people are seeing, right? Yep. And that's one of the arguments that people have too is that, you know, we're great at, at promoting ourselves to ourselves, which is very right. true. How are we promoting ourselves to the outside? Yep. You know, how are we promoting ourselves to our parents, to our to our coaches, to our, to our administrators. You know, I think a lot of athletic trainers are, are scared of their administrators and, and you don't have to be right now. I'm not going to say I go up and have a conversation with, with our principal just on a regular basis about anything and everything, right. you know, or, or, you know, whoever. Yeah. I have some of those relationships, but at the same time, don't think that you can't go talk to that person either. You know, um, we just want so many times we just want to stay in our little bubble. We want to stay in our hole. We want to be in the, in the shadows. Right. And if you want to do that, great, but don't sit here and tell me that you can't get anything accomplished from your shadow either. I think that's huge. Uh, Just like you said, like if you don't talk to your administrator, how are you ever going to be able to demonstrate your value? Right. You know, like, again, you don't have to go up and brag and say, well, I do this, that, and the other thing. But if you can show that value, I mean, I think that's been our biggest switch here for myself is we get support that I didn't necessarily feel the first couple of years because they didn't know any better. Well, I was on me to go out and show them, like, this is what we do and, like, how we do it. And then it's been a shift over the last couple of years that has made life just that much better because there's an understanding of what we as, as this, our group does. Right. 
you know, we, we've gone a long way in the five and a half years I've been here. You know, I, I, and I've told people, I felt like when I came here, I was hired because they had to have someone because that's what we do. And, you know, and I was, I was an expense that they had to do right to a, a place now where we are valued and we are recognized as an important piece of our school staff and not just our athletic staff, but of our, of our school staff and somebody that, that they can rely on. Right. But also somebody that they, they can support, you know, and that we don't just come asking for things just because we want to ask for it. Right. right? We have a logical reason. Um, again, putting logic in there, we have a logical reason for what it is we're asking for, and and we have a justified reason, and so we tend to get things that we that we ask for that maybe others, you know, struggle with, um, you know, and and so it's it's the idea that you know people think I have an endless budget. One reason people think I have an endless budget is I don't spend money, and so guess what? Then I have money. Right. right. Um, but also, again, like I said, I, I, I justify things so much um, and just find ways that, hey, this this is important. Right. Um, after, at the end of my first year as uh, as the athletic trainer here at BL, we got a new school president. And one of his challenges to us was that we want to be like this. We want to be the schools that other schools want to be like. Right. And we've taken that challenge head on here in a, in a sports medicine realm, but also, you know, um, as a as a Friar health team. Right. Myself, my assistant and our school nurse. And, and so we are we are trying to be at that cutting edge of everything that it is that we do. You know, yes, the sideliner tent is a very expensive piece of equipment. It's four thousand dollars. We have one because our kids' privacy is important to us. And we found a way to make that work. And, you know, and, and at first when people look at it and they go, well, that's $4,000. You're right. Here's what it does. Oh, that mm. makes a lot of sense. Okay. You, you know, and so it's, it's getting them to understand what it is that, that we're doing, right? And not just, well, you're, we're just spending money. Right. Because anybody can do that. Yes, they can. <laughs> Anything else kind of around this you wanted to cover before we hop into the five questions we ask everybody? No, I think we're good. Yeah. Um, so first one is where do you see athletic training going in the next five to ten years? So right now, again, we, we go back to that number um, – and Atlas says there's 35% of high schools in America, public and private, who have a full-time athletic trainer, right? 31% have a part-time some, some way, somehow. Yep. 34% have nothing, right? So 35 plus 31, uh, I'm not a math major, but I believe that's 66%, okay? 10 years ago, we thought 42% of high schools had some sort of athletic training services. We're at 66%. That's a 24% increase. In about, in about a 10 or 12 year span. Um, now, could that have been that 42% was bad research? 
may, may very well be, right? But I look at it in 10 years, we've gone up 24%. In another 10 years, I sure hope that we're at another, another 10, 12, 15%. You know, if we can get to the point where we're at 80%, we're getting a long, a long way closer to our goal. That's where we've got to get. And, and that's a, that's a, um, you know, one of those things that we have to continue to work on. And in the next five to 10 years, I think we're going to get there. I think there's been a good stage set for it. I think it's, it's a bad route to go. It's not the best route I would say, but we get all of these articles and things that get posted about, Hey, the, the good hearts are, you know, when the athletic trainer is there and does their job and, you know, save somebody's life or those things. But you see some of these other ones that, and tragically it's only, it's becoming too hard to ignore. There was one, and I, I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. I, I looked this up at one point, but there was a period of time where there was uh, like 20 something deaths in high school athletics or in youth sports in general. Mm-hmm. And less than 5% of those fatalities had an athletic trainer. That is a that is a huge stat that um, that we we have to hang our hats on. You know, we can't prevent every death. We know that. Right. But um, having an athletic trainer, having an emergency action plan, having uh, an AED or or other types of equipment and having that plan puts us in a whole lot better condition to save someone's life than than not having that. Uh, There was a study last year that. Um, sudden cardiac arrest has a, has only like a 10% survival rate, right? I mean, it's really low. Having an athletic trainer brings that number up to 83% survival rate. Seems pretty simple math to me. Right, right. You know? Yeah. And again, again, there's 17% that are still dying. We know that. Right. But 17% is a lot better than 92%. Absolutely. If you could go back and give yourself some advice as a young athletic trainer, however many years ago, and you can set the example if you'd like, what would that be? Start collecting data now. You know, um, we're in our third year of of collecting this data hard, collecting this data. Um, I wish I started collecting it a a long time ago because where we've gone in five years in now some of that is where i'm setting you know in my setting i'm in now i get that but where we've gone in well where we've gone in three years since i started collecting the data compared to where we went in the two and a half years before i started collecting the data is a big difference right have have that information at hand be ready with it because when they ask you for it they want it now they don't want, well, let me go back and look at it. Let me go find that information for you. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe it's one of those, hey, it's on my computer. I got to pull it up so I remember that data specifically, right? right? But don't be, hey, I want to know how many athletes you saw in the month of May and go, well, uh, give, me, give me a couple days and let me redo this. No. But here, I can pull it up in three clicks. How does right. that sound? When they want it, they want it. Yep. I like that advice. Most influential resource you found in your career? Uh, 
Twitter. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Twitter. <laughs> now, um, so, um, you know, I I am a prime example of um, two things. One, number one, that Twitter can be beneficial. Okay, and and number two, that um, jobs are about who you know, not what you know. What you know is what get, lets you keep the job. Who you know is who gets you that job in the first place, right? Does that make sense? Yep. Um, and, and I say that, and I'm going to tie those back together because um, I did see in the, in the meeting notes about AT Talk, and unfortunately, AT Talk's pretty much fallen off by the wayside. But that was a discussion that we, that we started, Christy Messina and I started in 2014. And because of my relationship with Christy via Twitter, Mm-hmm. lined me up to talk to this person who talked, lined me up to talk to this person who told me that uh, when this position, particular position opened up, I would be getting a phone call from this school. And within two weeks, guess what? I was getting a phone call from this school. And as they say, the rest is history. And here I yeah. am. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, people ask me all the time, well, how did you get from St. Louis to Dallas? That's a 10 hour drive and I'm going, or, or why did you move to Texas from, from St. Louis? And I go for this job. Well, how did you even hear about this job? It all goes through the network. Right. Yeah. I've gotten two of my jobs because I knew somebody one, I'm pretty sure my resume got pulled out of the no pile to the, we needed to at least talk to them pile. Yeah, absolutely. All on my behalf, or else I would have never had that opportunity. And I can tell you, we we did the same thing uh, when we hired my uh, assistant the last time when we hired Lindsay. Um, it wasn't that her resume was bad. It was I had fifty five resumes. Right. That about forty of them were pretty good. Right. Right. And and there was nothing about it that stood out that goes, we need to interview this person. Right. Well, one of our assistant coaches on our staff happened to um, um, have coached her in high school and his daughter was friends with her in high school and he came to us and we're going, okay, let's, you know, let's retake a look at this. And, and um, you know, we interviewed her and here we are. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things and it's, it's like our HR director and I were talking about, you know, when, when some people apply for a job at a school, you know, there might be one or two people who are actually qualified for that job out of their applicant pool. In our case, 90% of those people are qualified for the job legally. It's just a matter of now, how do you make it fit? You know, and we've certainly done that. If you could change or eliminate one thing, could be a modality, common practice or a mindset in just the field and profession of athletic training, what would it be? Athletic training versus the world, that mentality, because we can sit here and we can watch our profession, our professionals bash chiropractors, physical therapists, um, you know, you name it, right? Again, it goes back to our conversation earlier about, you know, these, these uh, medical professionals coming out of the stands. They don't all have bad intentions, right? You know, I, I, I get a kick out of when we talk about, you know, well, what kind of doctor are you? I'm a gynecologist. Well, that ain't going to help with a concussion, right? Hey, guess what? Gynecologists still play a role in healthcare. It might not be the role we need today. 
Right. They do play a role. Yep. Right. Um, and so that, like I said, that athletic training versus the world mentality that we have. And again, whether that's our coaches, whether that's, that's, um, you know, patients that we may not care for, right. We may not like because of their attitude or, or work ethic or whatever that might be. Um, whether it's parents, whoever, you know, we've got to do a better job of working with people and not working against them. I would agree with that. And then just our last one is what does being an athletic trainer mean to you? Athletic training is, I mean, that's, there's a reason, you know, people ask me all the time. Do I like it? Do I like my job? I have kids ask me that question. I'm going, I work way too much to not like my job. I wouldn't do it if I didn't. Um, you know, athletic training is, is my passion. Huh? I mean, the paycheck, I'm sure, is just you're set for life with 10 more years, right? Like all of us. You're in it for the uh, money. I can't. <laughs> I'm in it for the money, yeah. Um, that's, that's always the case. I can't complain about my paycheck. Oh, um, I mean, I'm in a very – I'm a, I'm a very fortunate person, but, um, um, it, I think, I think athletic training for me, I can define with the word passion. I like it. Anything else you want to share? Obviously we'll put your Twitter handle on this if people don't have it, but again, <laughs> but that's all right. But anything else? I think we're good. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate it. I was very intrigued on your insight on some of these things as it continues to boil over on social media, as always. As always. Well, good luck with your lacrosse game this afternoon, and hopefully we'll run into you sometime in the near future. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you.